Hello and welcome to Battle Ready with Missy Armstrong. We are going to prepare ourselves for battle by learning about the characters in the Bible, learning about their victories and their defeats. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome. I'm so glad that you are here today. And we are going to start talking about Gideon. I don't know if we'll get through in time, but we will at least start. Now, Gideon is in Judges, and uh, we studied Deborah last week. And Gideon is in Judges 6, and we're going to start at verse 1. And pay attention, (laughs) because this happens frequently throughout the book of Judges. And so, not Gideon, but the situation happened frequently because the people needed leadership, okay? And then they slipped off into evil things. And the Lord allowed things to happen to them. So we'll start in Judges 6. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hand of the Midianites. Because of the power of Midian, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain cliffs, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, Amicalites, and other eastern peoples invaded their country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare any living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the tents like they invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. An angel of the Lord came down and sat down under the oak tree in Oprah that belonged to Joash, the the Abinah. Excuse me. This morning, a little rough, but that's okay. We're going to get through it. Abizanah, where the son of Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. 
When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord was with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestor told us about? And when they, when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go, in the strength you have, and save Israel out of the Midianite hand. I am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakness and is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving no one alive. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that you're really talking to me. Please go away until I come back and bring an offering and set it here for you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them under the oak. The angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and unleavened bread. Place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand, and fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was an angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen your angel, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar of the Lord there and called it the Lord is Peace. To this day it stands in, or in Oprah of the Abyssinites. So when we start learning about Gideon in the Bible, in the scripture, Israel has been invaded for years by the Midianites who deprived them of food, of, you know, of their livestock, of their crops. And the Israelites were, for lack of a better word, beat down. I mean, they just keep coming back and coming back. And then this caused them to cry out. And they pleaded. Right? This this situation caused them to really plead with the Lord. And then God spoke to a prophet and challenged them to see their disobedience. And then he sent an angel to tell Gideon that he's going to be Israel's deliverer. 
And when we meet Gideon, he is hiding in a wine press, making food, threshing wheat to hide it from the Midianites. The angel greeted him with these words. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon, he, he's like, you don't, you don't really mean me, right? Because God seemed to have turned their back on them. And Gideon, he's telling them, look, look, we are the smallest tribe, okay? We, I am the least of my tribe, right? And God's like, no, this is you. I'm using you. Right? And we have to look at this and see that it's really reassuring to me. Uh, because when Gideon response, responds to this with uncertainty and a little bit of disbelief, God, God calls him even in this situation. God didn't allow his pessimism and gloom to change his purpose, right? The Almighty sees who we are when we don't see it ourselves, right? He called him a mighty warrior. I have taught lessons on Gideon to adult women, uh, to children, to teenagers. And I love this because God tells you who you are in the Bible. You are a child of God. You were loved by God. You have are so important to him that he would send his son to die for you. And if even if you were the only person on earth, he still would have done it. Right? God told Gideon he was a mighty warrior. If God tells you who you are, you better believe it. If God tells you you're a child of God, you believe that. Right? He tells you he loves you. You believe it. And even though Gideon is in this horrible place in his life and the, the Midianites are just coming and coming and coming. God says, you're the one. The one who is from the weakest tribe. The one who is the least in his family. He was the one. Right? He was the one God had chosen. If God chose you, God already knows who you are. God knows your weaknesses. God knows your strengths. So believe it when he tells you this is what you're to do. Believe it when he tells you that this is who you are. Because he knows you. Let's continue on. Judges 6. We're going to start with verse 25. That same night the Lord said, to him, talking about Gideon again, 
Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar of Baal and cut down the Aseroth pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God. And on top of it, on top of its height, use the wood from the Osteroth pole that you cut down. Offer a second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants, and he did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than during the daytime. In the morning, when the people of the town got up and there was Baal's altar demolished with the Osteroth pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on a newly built altar, they asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told that Gideon, the son of Jack, Joash did it. The people of the town demanded of Joash, Bring your son, he must die, because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Osiroth pole. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights with him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is God, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, he gave him they gave him the name Jerubel that that day, saying, Let Baal contend with him. Now all the Midianites, Amicalites, and other eastern people joined forces to cross over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel, the spirit of the Lord came to Gideon, and he blew his trumpet, summoning the Abarites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, So, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Nepali, so that they went to meet him. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you promised, look, I will place this wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece and all of the ground is dry, then I will know you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, and it was a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me just one more request. Allow me to do more, one more test with fleece, but this time the fleece be dry and let the ground be covered in dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and the ground was covered in dew. So Gideon mobilizes the local tribes, the tribes around him, his tribes and those located close to him uh, to confront this, you know, marauding army that is coming at them of all of the eastern peoples, not just the Midianites, but also 
the Amicalites and others. And, you know, despite Gideon seeing an angel, discovering that it was an angel, right? Like, realizing that he had this call, doubt still comes into his mind. And so he realizes that he's not a warrior, right? He realizes that he's not a soldier. He don't know anything about warfare. And then he seeks a sign from God. He spreads out the fleece, and God does exactly what he asks. And then he does it again. And God to grants him that favor and to show him that he is who God says he is. A lot of people criticize Gideon. That even though he was spoken to and even though he tested the first time he wanted to test again, he wanted to see a sign. And my question is, how many of us have done the same thing? Or we saw the signs, but we just weren't taking them in. I remember not too long ago, a few years ago, my husband and I felt like where we were at the church we were attending at the time was not where God wanted us to be. We prayed. We thought about it. We talked about it. We talked to other people about it to seek wise counsel, to see, like, is this what we're supposed to do? Or are are we trying to jump ahead of God, right? I mean, we even prayed for God to make it easy for us to leave this church. We had been there for over 10 years. The majority of my son's you know, growing up was in that church and it was very hard to leave a family, right? So we asked for signs and God gave it to us exactly what we asked for. And then we're looking for a church, right? We are out there visiting churches, looking for churches, finding where we can serve God. When we thought we have found church, we, we, you know, we thought this is where God might be leading us. We also, again, ask God, make sure this is where we need to be. And so how many of us are just like Gideon? We are, as we want to see the signs, we want to make sure that God is you know, that we are following, God, following God's will, that, that we are not jumping ahead of God, that we are not making choices for our own selves. And we are human. We are not God. God accommodates Gideon's doubts. And makes him not only feel like 
this is the right thing, but also doubly so. And many, many people do this daily. Don't get down on Gideon because Gideon doesn't have the faith at this point. He he doesn't have the the just self-esteem at this point to be who God wants him to be because he is scared, right? So let's let's continue on and see what happens. In Judges 7, I'm sorry, it's the first verse. Early in the morning, Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and all of his men camped at the spring of Herod, the camp of the Midian, the camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, but you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into your hands, so Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, everyone who has troubles or trembles with fear may return back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left and while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will send them out there. If I say, this one shall be with you, this one should go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord said, separate those who lap up the water with their tongues like a dog and those who kneel down to drink. 300 men of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All of the rest went down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give Midianites into your hand. Let the others go. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept 300. He took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Purah and listen to what they are saying. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Purah, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp, and the Midianites and the Amicalites and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley thick like locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sands of the seashore. Gideon arrived just as the man was telling his friend his dream. 
I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came up trembling into the midnight camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the Israelite, who has given, who God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Then Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation. He bowed down and he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars into the hands of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do as exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me Blow the trumpets. Then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Now, when Gideon was gathering his army, he recruited about 32,000 men. But God said, that's too many. You have a chance to say that you did this instead of God. So let's send home everybody faint-hearted. Everybody really don't want to be there. And then it was still too many. There was 10,000 left and he was like, God, God said, it's still too many. So we took him down to the water and he whittled them down to 300 men. Against a giant army from many countries with so many camels, couldn't even count. And then God said to Gideon, if you don't believe me, if, if you're feeling just slightly, if your faith is flawed in any way, if you're slightly not believing that you are this mighty warrior that I'm telling you, you are, go down to the camp and listen. And when he turns, when he returns, or when he goes to the camp, he hears this man's dream, and this other friend of this guy interprets the dream, and so Gideon comes back and says, okay, we're going to organize this surprise attack. And so then he gives everybody a torch inside a jar and a trumpet. Okay, he doesn't give them swords or shields, spears, bows, not even a little Swiss army knife. He gives them 
a trumpet, a jar, and inside the jar is a lit torch. Uh, you know, some of them, probably a few, would have looked at him and been like, okay. <laughs> you know, uh, I thought I might get a little bit of armor, but I'm okay with this. I, I guess I could catch something on fire, right? I could beat somebody over the head with this trumpet, maybe. Uh, but, yeah, Gideon was following God's plan. Gideon knew exactly what he was planning on doing because God had told him to. When you're thinking about life, thinking about this story, like, if you had been in Gideon's first 32,000, you think you might have made it to the 300? Do you think you might have passed the test of fearlessness? Or passed the test of faithfulness? You see, God knew what he was doing with these men. God knew that he could he was going to do this. And Gideon he's he's still human. But he continued. He continued doing what God told him to do. So let's continue on with verse 19. Gideon and the hundred, the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets, broke the jars that were in their hand. The three companies blew their trumpets and smashed their jars. Grasping their trump, their torches in their hands, holding their right hands with their trumpets, they blew and shouted, The sword of the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, ran crying out as they fled. The 300 trumpets sounded and the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other and, uh, with their own swords. The, em the enemy fled to Beth Shitha toward Zira, far as far as the border of Abel Manola, near Tabith. When darkness fell, on this place, Gideon divided the men into three companies and surrounded the enemy. He gave them instructions at a given signal they should do exactly what he did. When the moment came, the 300 blew their trumpets and shattered their earthen jars, thus causing the light to shine out, and they shouted loudly. A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. 
This surprise tactic caused great confusion, and God caused confusion. He led the people, or he caused the people to turn on each other, right? And they fought amongst themselves and finally fled in disorder and disarray. Gideon and his men stood and watched as the Lord defeated the Midianites without having to strike a blow. It was obvious that the Lord's the Lord strategy, even though it was strange and some might, I mean, kind of really unusual, kind of similar, but even a little bit different than Jericho, was nevertheless the cause of their great victory. Our lives are transformed when we learn a lesson that God delights to, to be given credit for his conquest and his victories. Pride and egotism wants us to say, I did it. But humility and dependence on the, on the delight of the Lord says God did it. Four years. And I mean years. I've been teaching children. And teenagers. And for a long time, and still now, I emphasize it's not about you. It's never been about you. It's about God. You didn't do anything God didn't give you the opportunity to do. You didn't do anything God didn't give you the talent to do. It's never been about you. Your life was not yours the moment you got saved. It was bought. It was paid for. You are nothing. God allows everything to happen to you. Good, bad, indifferent. God allows it. Maybe it's to teach you. Maybe it's to help you grow. Maybe it's to get you to a place of dependence on God. You don't do anything that God doesn't allow. God didn't put in you. I can do nothing that God doesn't allow. I can't do anything that God didn't put in me. I I believe this with everything inside of me. And I constantly trying to teach it to others. The moment my life changed, the moment I realized what I was doing wrong 
and changed my life for the better was the moment I realized I am nothing. God is everything. Missy can try her hardest and fail fabulously. I mean, I have some epic fails in my life. But God, God who created me, the God who knew me before I was born, the God who loved me when I was crazy and making decisions for myself and living for myself, God stayed with me and when I realized I am nothing, I was purchased and I belong to God. Nothing, and I mean nothing, is more precious to me than that. I will work hard for the Lord. I will try my hardest. And I will continue every day getting up, not being discouraged or afraid by the things that I face, but getting up, fighting each battle, and knowing that God already has it. He knows. He's got control of the whole situation. If you get nothing out of this lesson, get this. You can do nothing without God's permission. You don't have a talent, a skill, an ability that God didn't give you. You may have worked hard to practice at it. You may have spent many hours attempting to do things, but understand that God gave you that. In today's world, I see it all the time, children, adults, elderly, so narcissistic. It's all about them and what they've done, what they can do, how they can do it. Don't let pride be your downfall. Realize that your life is not your own. God did it. God created you for a purpose. He gave you the abilities. He gave you the skills. And it's him. He's fighting your battles. And he's facing your enemies. You have to have faith and give your life to him. Stop saying, I did this, I did that. God gave you that opportunity to do that. God gave you the ability. Please take that to heart. It will, I promise, change your life. Thank you so much 
for listening this week. We didn't get all the way through with Gideon, but we will next week. It's a wonderful story, a wonderful person. And I say story, but he is, it's a real story, right? It's not just a guy in a, in a book. Okay, this is a guy that lived, a guy that was a human just like us. Please, this week, be kind to yourself and others. And smile, because God loves you and so do I.